think about the love of God. His heart to dwell with men, not just to have subjects that worship him, but to dwell with men, the price that he paid when man rebelled against him. He created man in his image and he gave him authority over the world and all that was in it, every creature, every creeping thing, every bird, every everything. Do you hear me? <laughs> and man, through pride and lust, turned their back on God who gave them everything. But God... <laughs> But God, in Genesis chapter, one, uh, chapter 3, verse 15, says, I will put, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This term, bruise, he said he'll bruise your head. It means he will break your authority. <laughs> we should say hallelujah. That he will break your authority. As I was thinking about that, I, in First John chapter 4. You know, it's, uh, the Lord is so gracious. Because we can get so busy and we can get so distracted and we can get so petty. But His love just keeps pursuing us. Right where we are, His love keeps pursuing us. We make excuses. You know, we're, it's so easy to look at Adam and Eve and point a finger and say, how dare you? Look, you, we're in this mess because of you. But it's so easy for us to lose sight of dura- during the day and throughout the day how easy it is for us to lose sight of him and choose our flesh over his will for our lives. Whether that be my right to lash out at someone because what they did. When he said, turn the other cheek. To hold hard feelings. When he said, take no thought of a wrong suffered. It's no different. It's no different than what they did in the garden. It's just now we have grace. We have relationship. We have Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And he loves us back into relationship with him. Man, we should thank God for that. We should never take for granted the, the time that we live in right now. As, as dark as it may look on the outside to know that we've got the living God on the inside of us. That no matter how bad we screw it up, he's still there. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's the good news that we have to share to a hurting world. That's the good news. 1 John 4 1 John 4, 12, 
No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected. Where? In us. Verse 13, 1 John 4, 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We should break out into the hallelujah chorus right there. We should just break out, be undone, wrecked, because... Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. You know, I believe this is one of the places the enemy fights the hardest. It's one thing to know it. We can quote, for God so loved the world, and we can quote all these scriptures about God's love. For us, but he says, He who's known and believed. Knowing it is one thing, but believing it is something totally different. Believing it is, is, is saying, not that it gives me a license to sin, but when I mess up, that he still loves me, not because of me, but because of him. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. God is love. He loves us so much that he's willing to come to us in our mistakes, in our frailties, and to still pursue us with his love, not to condone behavior, but to love us in spite of it. In verse 12, it says this, speaking of this God who's, who is love. Look at, wow. Let's go back up to verse 9. Let's go to verse 7 while we're there. You don't even have to turn the page, maybe back a page. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent His only, son, only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, to be the payment, the sacrificial death for our sins. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. You see, all, this, all the context of this is where his love is, it's in us, right? Where God's abiding, where is it? 
in us. And he said that way that we manifest that love is by, I mean, by manifesting the presence of God in us is by loving those around us. To love them through their shortcomings and through our shortcomings, I'm telling you, the Lord is forever speaking, he's forever teaching, and he's always trying to get us to look through his eyes to see others, to love them like he loves them, not like we want to respond to them. <laughs> Amen. That's not always easy. It's easy to get frustrated, and it's easy to look at, at me. And, and, and I know you guys probably don't ever do this, but the whole what about me thing. Yeah, Lord, I know them, but what about me? You know, I, I know I'm supposed to love them, but what about this? What about that? But I believe God today, if, if we don't hear anything else, is to understand how much he loved us. That he said, when man sinned, as soon as man sinned, God said, it's okay, I've got a plan. Because before the foundation of this world, my son was slain. He paid the price for your sin before you sinned. So he's got you, past, present, and future. He's got you. Does that give us a license to sin? Absolutely not. The Bible, matter of fact, it says the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. The, the grace of God does not teach us to live in sin. It teaches us that sin has been paid for and it no longer has dominion over me. So now I can live in authority over sin. And though I may fall, it's not who I am, it's what I did. And here's what I believe. If we begin to understand the love that God has for us, not the love that we have for him, then we'll be able to love those around us differently because we won't love them to get from them. We'll love them to get out of us what God's placed in. That's totally different. I can go love the unlovely when I love with his love. I can love those that are close to me that I don't even feel like give me the love back that I'm supposed to have because I'm not loving to get from them. I'm loving to give out what he's placed on the inside of me. That's what a hurting world is looking for. There, I believe all around us, what this world is looking for is someone who will love them where they are, not, not enable them, not condone, but neither condemn. That's what he did to us. He said, I didn't come to condemn you. If you don't believe, you're condemned already. That's John. Talking Jesus in John. <clears throat> he said, I'm not condemning you, but if you don't believe, you're condemned already because you choose not to believe. But if we really believe the love the Father has for us, not just know, but believe, I'm telling you, it makes every situation change. It makes our perspective of that situation change, and therefore, it releases the life of God in us into that situation, the love of God in us into that situation. So that situation has to change. But if we can't see him and we can't release him into that situation, then all we are is stuck in us. So we just continue to do even as the children of Israel. You know, God is so gracious because it's so easy for us to read accounts. I don't like to call them stories because they're not stories. They're accounts of, 
of what has happened throughout history. As we read these accounts, it's so easy for us to look at them and go, man, they shouldn't have done that. Man, they shouldn't have done that. Peter, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have sank. You know what's so amazing about Peter? When Jesus called Peter, he said, you're Cephas, but I'll, I'll call you Peter because he was, his name, uh, Cephas, I think it meant uh, reed, like reed, like uh, just wishy-washy. But he said, I'm going to call you Peter, which is rock, when Peter was still wishy-washy. He called him rock when he was anything but a rock. Right? He's, all right, Peter, we, we want to judge Peter because he stepped out of the boat and he sank. When Peter said, God, if it's you, and he couldn't deny who he was, if it's you, tell me, come to you. So Peter, so Jesus said, it's me. No, it's not me, Peter. He couldn't. He was bound by that, by that, the way Peter phrased that statement. He said, if it's you, bid me come. So what was Jesus supposed to do? He said, it's me, come. So here's Peter, who God called, who Jesus called rock. He steps out on faith, gets a little bit into the water. We don't know how far. We know it was far enough he couldn't get back to the boat. Because when he started sinking, he said, Lord, save me. And it says that Jesus grabbed him, and then they were both back in the boat. I'm just saying. Jesus is all about transportation. <laughs> but this Peter, who he called a rock, was anything but that because he stepped out in faith. Then he said he began to doubt. All right, how about this Peter? He said, Jesus told him that he was going to die. He said, you're not going to die. He said, get behind me, Satan. And Peter said, no, I'll fight for you. I'll die for you. And then what did he do? He denied him three times. But Jesus said, Peter, I see you differently. And he said this when he, when he came to Peter. He said, Peter, when you repent, strengthen your brothers. Why? Because he knew he was a rock. What happened? Peter repented. When Peter repented, it was the day of Pentecost. The greatest of all sermons to be preached. Who did God put his finger on? the rock, and he stood up among all those. Can you imagine the emotions that Peter had, especially among the group that was his people who knew he had denied him? Oh, don't shout me down. I know it's good. You know, it's one thing to, to come into a place where you don't know anyone and to be accepted. It's another thing to know you're accepted in the blood among those you've turned your back on. Because Peter didn't just turn his back on Jesus. He turned his back on the other 11 or 10. Come on, anybody read the Bible? Right? He walked away from them all. He cussed, said, I don't know the man, and left them all, right? He said he's a rock. He's a rock. And when Peter stood on the day of Pentecost, you could see the rock that Jesus saw. He didn't care about 
those in his group that he had turned his back on. It wasn't that he didn't care. He knew that he had been restored in the eyes of the Lord. He knew what the love of the Father was to him and that he could stand there and proclaim who Jesus was to him. And he, he delivered a message. And 3,000 people were born again. That's pretty amazing. 3,000 people from the man who before had been wishy-washy. I mean, you can see it throughout his history. And you know what's awesome? Is it wasn't just after the day of Pentecost that Peter was a rock and never made a mistake again. Because if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not, Paul rebuked Peter because Peter was reaching out to the Gentiles until the Jews got around. Oh, don't shout me down. What I'm saying is Peter stood on the day of Pentecost, and he was the rock that, said, that Jesus said that he was. And then from that place, as, as he went on, he allowed the influence of those around him to affect him, and he would, <clears throat> he would start imposing on the Gentiles Jewish customs. And Paul said, that's not right. He said, you'll eat with them when there's no Jews around, but when the Jews come around, you won't have anything to do with them. And Paul rebuked them. Are you with me? But it did. Peter didn't go climb under a rock. He continued to do what God had called him to do. I believe that Peter began to see himself through the eyes of the Father. Not through his ability to produce results, but through the Father's ability to produce, produce results through him. He understood the love of the Father. When Jesus came to him, he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yeah. He said, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know. He said, yeah, I know. Feed my sheep. That's the grace. That's the love. He said, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. This love that's manifested in us, that's what it says, right? This love that's manifested in us, that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. This love is what destroys the yoke of the enemy. When we can see with his eyes, when we can see others with his eyes, when we can see our current situation, have you ever, help me somebody, have you ever been in that place when you couldn't see yourself the way he sees you? When you couldn't see yourself in the love that he has for you, it might not be you're in sin. It might be you're in a tight spot and you feel like there's no way out. At that point, is your focus on your situation or on the love of a father that said, I held back not my son, my only son. How will I not with him freely give you all things? It's so easy. It's so easy. Human nature is to look at me and not at him. We have to be intentional to not just know the love of God, but to believe it. And so what's the difference? When I believe it, I'll act differently. Amen. See, when I, when I know something, I can have wisdom or I can have understanding in that area, but when I believe it, I'll act accordingly. There's a difference in knowing and believing.
And he's saying it's one thing to know God is love. We know that. We know just about everyone in America, heathen or saved, knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? But how many of us live from that position of being loved? I'm just telling you, I'm going to be straight up real with you. I'm in and out of it. I would love to say I'm in that honey spot all the time and I live there and I know it's his love for me and it's manifested in my life all the time and nothing phases me and I'm just there in that sweet spot all the time. That would be a lie. Because I allow situations and circumstances to take up occupancy in my mind and I'm the only one who's called to steward this mind. 2 Corinthians 10 says, I'm supposed to take uh, thought, take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into the obedience of Christ. Not my obedience, but the obedience of Christ. So when a lie comes in that says, you're not enough, you don't have enough, you can't do enough, you're not going to make it. What I need, immediately need to do, instead of meditating on that lie, I need to focus on the promise that he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that you're able to do exceeding abundantly, I'm able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power that's where? At work where? On the inside of me. Amen. It's quiet in here. But it's okay. Because I know in whom I, am believe, in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm persuaded but there are times that we have to stir ourselves up. We have to persuade ourselves, encourage ourselves. And that's what it said. David encouraged himself in the Lord. That's why we're supposed to pray in the Holy Ghost. We build ourselves up on our most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost to stir ourselves up, to set our gaze on Him. Why? So that we can be so focused on us? No, so that we can be so focused on Him. If we lose ourselves in Him, we'll find life like we've never had it before. And I'm, I'm preaching at me. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me as much as I am to you because it's a daily walk. I think that's why Paul said, I die daily. Paul said, I have to bring this thing under. Every time it tries to raise its head up against me, I have to bring it under. But I'm telling you, as we understand his love in every circumstance, every situation, he said, if your natural father knows how to give you good gifts, how much more? Your heavenly Father give you those things that you desire. Right? So as we look to him and not to us, not our sufficiency, not our ability, he said he, when we have known and believed the love that God has for us. And believe the love that God has for us. That's when... We can get to verse 17 and 18, and and, uh, verse 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So this love that makes us perfect, is it something we have to go get? Is it something we have to study to, to, to get to manifest? No, it's in us. 
That's what he said in the context of this passage. That love's been placed on the inside of us. And, and here's what I know. When I don't see that love manifested in my life, it's because I've chosen to look at me and not him. In whatever circumstance, in whatever situation, when that love isn't manifesting through me, it's not because I don't have it. It's not because I need to study to get it. It's not, because, it's not that I have to pray and fast to get it. It's because at that point, my attention is more on me than on him. And you know what's so amazing about that? When our attention is on us, it's easy to look at everyone else who's not even doing what we're doing and, put our, and, and project it over on them. <laughs> I know, it, it doesn't feel good. But it's true. But when his love, when we don't just know it, but we believe it. I know that maybe I'm saying it too much, but I want us to understand Because I'm telling you, he revealed himself afresh and anew to me. As Ben shared that that little mustard seed. God comes and he he gives us those little kisses from heaven. If we're not looking and we don't understand his love and we don't understand his voice, then we'll miss those things. And we'll we'll be saying, God, where are you? And he'll say, I was there the whole time, but you couldn't see me because you weren't looking for me. You were looking at you. So I want to encourage us today, no matter what your situation looks like, we can find him. It's it's because he's looking for us. He said his love's been shed abroad in our hearts. So we don't have to look out. We just have to look in. So how do we do that? Right here, and I'll, I'll close with this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, 3. Four. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So as we set our gaze on him, he said, I've already given you. He said, grace and peace is multiplied to you as you understand who I am and what I've done. As we meditate, we manifest. So think about that. That's a word right there. Because what you meditate is what you manifest. <laughs> I'll close with that. I can't do any better than that. I was going to share something else, but I'll close with that. Because what you meditate is what you manifest. So, let's just do a little inventory. Not condemnation, just location. (laughs) I'll tell you. This morning, I was manifesting. (laughs) I was... Jesus, why is it always me? <laughs> I was anxious. I was frustrated. Do you know why? Because I was manifesting what I was meditating on. 
and just go ahead and get naked before you. It wasn't until that last song that I got wrecked. And it ain't about being wrecked. It's not about emotion. It's about it. Was, it took me to get there to realize how much God loves me to send his son in my self-centeredness to love me that I was undone to understand that kind of love. Because do you understand God is outside of time. He knew my self-centeredness when he was hanging on the cross. He knew my obsession with me in certain times and seasons when he died on the cross, and he died for that. And when Ben shared the word that God gave him, and when we were in that song, God just told me, you know what he did? He didn't condemn me. He showed me how much he loved me. And you know what my heart did? It repented. It turned. And it said, Jesus, I'm undone. I, I, don't, I, am, I acknowledge I'm not worthy of this love, but because of that love, you've made me worthy. Hallelujah. He's so good. He's so good. As we focus on the goodness of God and his love for us, we can manifest that love. What's your takeaway? What you meditate, you manifest.